Here he is. <laughs> All right, Serge, how are you doing? I'm great, mate. Yeah, thanks, Sean. See, I've, I've even got my, my youngest, is I've just put her down, so I've got the... If you hear any crying, it's not me. Yeah, it might be, actually. I don't know why I said that. Yeah, I've got it. I know those days. I know those days very well. Here we go. I'll have some of that. Just what is it that you want to do? Welcome to a place where we dare to dream. So good vibes only. Where I, Sean Keaveney, make impossible duets happen. Would you sing one of your songs? Let's have Robert De Niro as well. <laughs> a fantasy festival that breaks the rules of reality. And he pulls his acoustic guitar out and he just hands you the mic. And everyone stops. Oh, everyone leaves, actually. <laughs> one, two. We've wrangled some of the world's most awesome music heroes and some others to share with us who they'd pick to be in their dream festival lineup. Yes, that's exactly what I want. People, make some noise! To screen and everything's alive and all the insects and it's an incredible place. Oh, so that's where we're putting it. Is there a prep nearby? <laughs> and then, you know, I would get Sean DJ in the after show yeah. in one of the chimneys. <laughs> Just like Fred Dibner. Exactly, so you can put yeah. me right at the top. You'll like that. You'll like that. I'll give you another one. Oh, this is great. Today's guest knows a thing or two about multitasking. He's written music for film and telly, for full-on film scores, to collaborating with his good friend Noel Fielding for Noel's luxury comedy TV series. Then there's his own solo work under the guise of the SLP, not to mention his nifty footwork on a football pitch. Yes, he's the one who did that goal on Soccer AM that time. We won't mention it again. And as a founding member and the main songwriter in Kasabian, there have been six albums at the time of recording. June 2022, with a seventh, The Alchemist's Euphoria, arriving soon. Plus, this is the album where he stepped up to become full-time frontman for Kasabian as well. As a new adventure dawns for our esteemed musical guest, let us join him and welcome Serge Pizzorno. Hello, Serge. Hey, Sean, you are, man? I am all right. I'm sitting on um, my bedroom floor... Uh, next to the Wi-Fi box because it's been a bit intermittent. Hey, your voice is so nice for me, right? Could you remember, like, I was going back a bit, right? But we did uh, uh, the tour, a tour in 2009, West Rider, and every morning, I think it was every gig, but I, we had a phone call. Do you remember? And I had to, I and I had to, like, it was like, I don't know who organised it because it's like, it was early, wasn't it? And it's like, we've got yeah. to... Yeah. And I think, because obviously you were doing breakfast and, and I, sometimes I was like, oh no, I, don't, I put the phone down and think, I can't remember what I said. And, and also like, I don't think I had much enthusiasm for that, that chat, but I did used to like to hear your voice in the morning, I've got to say. I'm glad you mentioned it because I was, that was what I, I was going to mention that as well. I think it was uh, my old producer, Phil, who saw me that. <laughs> and it's that thing that bre breakfast presenters and producers forget that most of the people they're interviewing have got an entirely opposite end of the day than you. <laughs> yeah. and the, the, the idea that you're going to be up and Adam and sort of you're full of chat yes. at like 10 past eight in the morning when you went to bed at 10 past three in the morning, you know, it's ridiculous. Honestly, it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> where, where do we find you today, by the way? Are you, are, are you in the, you're in the, you're in the countryside, I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just at my, mine in Leicester. It's always, we're, we're not, we're doing it over the phone. But when, it, when it's a Zoom call, you always think, where, where can I do it? You know what I mean? Like, what, what's the background? Because 
you know but but I just did it in, in um, but we, you know, we we turn the cameras off man so it's, I feel a bit more comfortable now yeah. I'm just in that gone black that's off. the one I'm just in my underpants to yeah, be honest, man, at the moment because the, the cameras are off I've got some roller rollerblades on that, that I'm rocking that sort of rollerblade look <laughs> with a, like, an old Walkman and a pair of little skimpy shorts on Wired for sound. That's what you, you do. You're doing the wired for sound, the cliff video. This is brilliant. Well, you're obviously a man. Of, you, we know you're a man of, of intense style, um, and we'll we'll probably touch on that a bit later on. But before we get into it, because I mean, obviously, this is the lineup is essentially um, a, fa- a fantasy festival that we create and curate together over the course of one perfect day. Uh, you know, five acts, living or dead. But before we get right into the nuts of it. Start off with this point that obviously from the last time I talked to you, Tom's left the band in 2020 and I know you've spoken loads about that, but I just wanted to start on a note of what it's like to move from side to front of stage. I know you've talked about it a lot as well, but I'd like to hear it from the horse's mouth. Like one reviewer called it a bit like manifest destiny, like you taking the mantle of the front man. Um, How, how does it feel? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, so, it's such a mad one, you know, because on one hand, it's sort of heart, heartbreaking. And and on the other hand, it's like, uh, I I sort of had no choice. Like, for the band, you know, we couldn't let that story finish like that. So it was, it sort of needs must. And, you know, if I didn't do it, then, you know, the boys ain't got a band, so... It, it it's it it starts there really with well you've sort of just got to figure this out and um and that's kind of how it feels it, it it's such a massive change like physically mentally like when you're on stage and it's it's a wild role you know and I, I'm sort of learning learning that like, every day that I, that I'm into it but you know I've been I've been doing plenty of research. And I've been I've been sort of watching the greats, you know. I've sort of gone down that I road. I read this that you you yeah. taking note taking notes of the great frontmen. Yeah, yeah, because you know I like I I think I think that's kind of the way it's the way I sort of made music and I sort of adapted that sort of style of just looking at things that I love and then sort of working out how how and I suppose. Not so much working out. It's more just like absorbing all that, all that vibe. You know what I mean? And and, yeah. and I, I think for me, what I what I really thought was the way to approach this is to just be, just let myself completely go on stage and just give myself, like I do in the studio when I'm when I'm writing or when I'm sort of delivering a vocal. I'm going to nick a line from Maverick Top Gun, man. Just don't think, just do. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's one of those things where you just go like, I don't want to like, uh, you know, if I ever watched myself back, I'd be like mortified. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I just go, right, this music makes me feel like this. So I'm going to yes. move my body exactly how that tells me that, you know, like, like in Curtis. You've got to be unselfconscious, haven't you? Abso- You've got to be completely unselfconscious. That's exactly moment. it. That's exactly it. And, you know, when there's a lot of people watching you, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a crazy feeling. But I think like it's just you know you get in that state, that mental state, and go, I I am just gonna give myself to this show, to this this next hour and a half. I'm gonna transcend. I mean, it sounds such a 
you know, it's a great, it's a, you know, it's a bit pretentious, the word transcend, but I, I honestly feel like that's the way I have to do it. Do you know what I mean? Because I, so I just have to go. And, you know, we played on Sunday and it was, it was so insane. And I just thought, well, I can sit here and, you know, go through the lyrics, memorize things and, and remember, you know, chords and just, well, I did it there. Or I can just imagine myself in the center of that mosh pit with everyone else going, right, I am like, I'm with, I'm with every single one of you now. And this, and I'm going to sing. I don't know if I, I, I can, I can give it a go to sing, but I'll sing from that heart of mine that beats so hard, you know? Well, I think that a couple of things, like, first of all, I do think you're really brave because nearly all guitarist singers, <laughs> it's a totally different thing to, to be hiding behind that guitar. I didn't realise that you, if essentially for most of the, 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 the show, you're just singing. You're not, you, you might pick the guitar up a bit, but you're really the front man and that's a big step. Mm-hmm. But secondly, the the ardour with which Kasabian fans love you guys, like I think it does, I think what you said's right. It's like they wouldn't have let it slide, would they? They they need you, don't they? they you know, that you've bought, you have this very reciprocal love. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that if I was going to take it on and I'd do it in the, only the way, my way, you know what I mean? Only the way I'd know. And I didn't want to be, you, you know, that guy, the guitarist that's now, you know, I can't do it that way. So it's like, no, I have to, I have to sort of become someone else. And, and, and that was really exciting as well, you know. You know, obviously, the, the man that gets mentioned in every musical, you know, interview, David Bowie's style, where you just go, well, I, I have to be someone else now. And that's pretty exciting as well, because I was really, um, I was pipe and slippers time. I was Keith Richards and that was fine, do you know what I mean? That was everything, do you know what I mean? And I found myself, you know, I've been to, you know, and I found myself in Mick Jagger's little Nike Air trainers and those little skimpy <laughs> trousers going, <laughs> oh my God, these early nights. Oh, yeah. Early nights. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've, I've got, I've, I need some, I need some honey tea to protect my voice. <laughs> you know it. We can't wait. We, I mean, you know, there's some very big gigs coming up. We'll get onto all that a bit later, but... Okay, so we, we, we should start um, the process, really, because the process has to begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, we have to set this fancy festival somewhere. Now, you're in Leicestershire at the moment. You are, we know, besotted with places like Japan, for instance. I'm intrigued where in the world you would like to place this dream festival, Serge. Um, I, I toyed with a few places. I thought, well, my, my initial thought was there's a Colosseum in Verona that I've, that I've, been to that that is absolutely stunning and they do a lot of opera there i think um depeche mode played there like a famously like an amazing show there but then i then i started to write the lineup out and although there's one act that would perfectly fit there everyone else was not quite fitting so i've sort of i've i've ended up and then i thought about the mid-act theater another one in cornwall that's like cut into the cut into the the rocks in cornwall which i thought was great but then My sort of headliners that it would no, they're they're not going to fit in that. So I've gone, <laughs> I've gone for Battersea Power Station, but before all the you know before the um, the redevelopment. So I want it to be that sort of yeah, you know that that industrial fall into bits. So it's sort of part Berlin warehouse rave, but then it's huge, so we get a lot of people in there. That's great. Okay, right, Battersea Power Station pre-development sort of post-industrial landscape type. Mm-hmm. I love it. And we need to call we need to call it something. 
But you can come back to we People are tending now to come back to that at the end and stew on it. So unless you've got like a d- definite, already got a, a name, we can come back to that. No, that, that, let's come back to that one. I mean, we've got, we've, we're, in a, we're on a winner because power is a nice, something power is pretty, pretty big, you know. It's a good word yes. for a festival. Yes, that's true, actually. Okay, so that, <laughs> we can come back to that. And so here we go. Uh, the journey begins and we're at the Dawn Chorus stage. Uh, Battersea Power Station. That technically means it's like an indoor festival, which is an interesting vibe yeah, as well. I yes, think. which is nice. And that means that we don't have to worry about the time of day. We don't have to worry about the time of year. It's indoors. Um, but before we get to the first act, just a couple of things. Like, what were you? What were you like as a kid? I always wonder because to me, to my mind, you seem to come out as a fully formed rock star in two thousand and three. But I wonder what you were like <laughs> when you were a kid and when you were a teenager. I suppose, like any normal kid, like growing up just in in sort of just average normal towns in England, you know, not door run, drinking, you know, twenty twenty on the park and, you know, playing copies and just being a nuisance, you know, gen- generally just being a nuisance, playing football and, you know, trying to sort of stay out of as much trouble as you can. And then the rave scene was... I, that was kind of the first, my first awakening when, when um, you know, rave culture and, and I was, I was, we were sort of a bit young, young for it. So we, we weren't old enough to go to anything, but that obviously made it even more exciting. Mm. But that was the kind of like my first sort of, the decision that's yours when you're a kid, like when you'd, you know, play, you play your records upstairs and, you know, and your mum and dad screaming, going, what is this? And it's your bit of rebelling. You're yeah. something you own, you know. And, and getting my first music instrument was a was an Atari, was an Atari um, computer. So that was the kind of, uh, you know, that, and then just listening to John Gollum. But as, you know, as, as pretty much anyone my age was doing back then, you know. So wh- when was it that you've got to go to, like, your first rave for instance or would it have been a gig first and then a rave or you know were you, were you quite young to be getting into those things I went to an under 16s rave one in Leicester there's, there's a video knocking around so back in the day there was an under 16s rave and I went with my pals and there's a video and as me with white gloves on a whistle and a sort of French stripy top I mean honestly it's bad Sean it's bad do you know what I mean it's like I mean, it's probably amazing. not now. It's probably it's probably back. In, it's probably yeah. like what everyone's wearing now. But <laughs> but 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 you know, for a few years, it was like those tapes need to be destroyed. You know what I mean? <laughs> Especially when I, when I got when I started getting to to sort of the rock and roll when that rock and roll era came for me, I was a bit like, oh no, those you know, we might have to find those tapes. But yeah, so so that was the kind of first thing I ever went to. But it was frightening, man. Those things were were frightening because you spent most of the night making sure you didn't get your head kicked in do you know what I mean because it was like it was gnarly you know there was some sort of you know but fun at the same time and then kind of mid 2000 sorry mid 90s it was like you know Oasis burst onto the scene and and that that was you know that was the second awakening of like you know that 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 band and what and then for the next three years you know I was like I could go on mastermind, you know what I mean? I could do all, I could do the beats. I was that, you know, that guy, you know, what Lean's jeans were in the supersonic videos, you know what I mean? It's like mad madness. Oh God. I mean, well, these guys will come up imminently, I think. Check one. Yeah. Is everybody ready, yeah? We good? 
Let the day begin. Who's going to be the first person to play on the festival? Right, so opening my festival is a band. And I'm going to say, I'm, it's a big shout, but I think this band is the best band in the world today. Mm. Right here, right now, best band in the world today. And they're called Beat. Bang, oh. first name on the list. Jeff Barrow's bunch. Yes. They're so good. Like, they're so good, man. They're so good. I've seen them a few times live, but like Moon Gang's four string on Barrow, man. Honestly, I can't, I can't, like, it's a, it's like a tell everyone. I just want everyone to know about this band. You know what I mean? They're so good. They are, aren't they? I, I saw them in Islington a few years ago. There's something about the rhythm section, particularly, and obviously Jeff is the drummer and he's got mm-hmm. this kind of, and I think Billy on, on bass, all of them, I mean, they're incredible musicians, but they have a sort of really, they've got an incredible groove going on to, that underpins everything, haven't they? It's so good. And what's so amazing about them live, it's, so, it's, it's emotional because they, they, they just encapsulate a lot of things that I love, like in, in a sort of modern way. And sometimes that can be like cool and, and, and you sort of go there and you appreciate the musicianship. But they, honestly, they get you in the heart as well. Like the, yeah. the groove, like you just, I mean, honestly, like head banging and, you know, and then they, down again, they'll hit some harmonies. So it's pure, you're, like you've got like hairs on your arm, you know, everything. And it, it's all going off. And then every now and again, like Jeff will say something, it's that cantankles, like really sort of like, like punky sort of just come out of something. And it, it, they just got absolutely everything. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and they, they sort of blow my mind, do you know what I mean? And I, and like if they're top trump musicians, man, they're tens. Do you know what I mean? If you pull, if you if you're playing top trumps and you get Jeff, man, you like there's a ten, he'd wipe you out on drums. <laughs> yeah, I love, I I do love Jeff. He's such a there's such a funny bunch as well as you say that you know they, they yeah. have a sense yeah. of humour in what they do, which is dead important sometimes. I think. Do you do you think that people sometimes have a, a reductive view? of Kasabian and, and your songwriting. You know what I mean? Do you think that they miss, they underestimate you sometimes? And- I hope so. I hope so. That, that would, yeah, I hope so. That make me happy. Make me laugh. <laughs> I think that's like, always been a, it's always helped us, you know? It's always, it's always made, it's always helped us get things through, I think, you know? Like it's always just given us permission and I, it's always good to have something to fight against and, and, you know, when someone thinks you're a certain way, then you just give it, you know, blowing people's minds. Like Andy Kaufman, you know, I'm going to try and sneak him on the set. We'll talk about that later. Oh, yeah. Because you said they could be comedians, but maybe in between, Anybody. so he doesn't count as, as an artist. But, but I, like, I always loved that growing up as a kid. And I don't know, it's like never really truly fitting in. So everyone, you know, assumes, oh, yeah, you're into football, so you must like this. And it's like, you know, but then, then you're into sort of like, Basquiat you know, looking at some of the, the playlists that you put together, the things that you, you obviously love, like bands like Meat Puppets or Black Alicious or mm-hmm. really obscure hip hop and, and obviously Kraut Rock and stuff like that. 
this is not what people are always expecting, is it? Do you think that is it? Do you think that, uh, you know, you presented as a kind of more of a meat and potatoes, Wheel of Oasis kind of band, but people have missed all the the sort of subtlety in the in the actual music? Yeah, maybe so. I mean, I think, you know, when, when you sort of all said and done, when you sort of play the records and there's way more going on and anyone that knows anything about music will 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 understand the reference points and and understand the sort of the cheekiness of um if you, if you listen to the singles we released i mean um, it's a crazy sort of bunch to put together mm. none of it makes any sense none of the records make any sense i mean it's, <laughs> you know it, we, we are that sort of like we're more like bloody vivian stanshaw than we are you know uh, um you know like a sort of lad rock band i mean yeah it's you true know, but actually. then sometimes it's fun to wear to wear that badge and again, you know, sometimes it's just like, okay, you know, you can play up yeah. to it then. I mean, it's all, it's all just, you know, but, but I think, you know, even if you think about the big, big song like Fire, for instance, I mean, it's got a sort of instrumental sort of, sort of acid house section. Yeah. Um, and there's not many big singles, <laughs> you know, that, that, that have a sort of drop that does, does that in. And, 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 you know, and you sort of, if you're following the rules of, of singles, you don't put a big weird break in the, in the middle. You sort of do that all the time. So, you know, I think, like, you only have to sort of listen to the records to, and, and, and really listen to them without, you know, the baggage surrounding it all and go, oh, OK, yeah, no, it sort of makes sense that they're into the death grips and, and you know, and, and, and not so much into the, the mock turtles, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. saying at the top you're a bit of a polymath you've you, but now you're a festival curator as well uh-huh. doing, we're doing quite well so far so a beaker a good start but who should we put on next before we get to the the, the next act actually the next music act you mentioned andy kaufman we, we other people have done a, a situation where they've used a comedian as a kind of a, an interstitial person to announce uh, the next guest and to do a little bit of comedy so would Andy be the person you'd have to do that? Or yes. Different people. Yeah. I'd like that. No, I think that would be good for the next for the next act. I think it would it would um, set the tone of uh, of no one quite knows what what's going to happen next. I, I DJed once, and the guy I don't really think they knew what they were booking in terms of the the the, the set list because you know oh you know oh sure he's going to bring you know he's going to play Zeppelin and. You know what I mean? And I started it off with bare necessities, right? And then it, from there it went, it went weird. Honestly, it went, it went weird. And he, what did he call it? Sort of like, um, I don't know, like DJ roulette. So he gave it kind of a good name. So, so I kind of want to set that tone of, of the festival. Everyone's sort of going on the edge of the seat, like going, I don't know who's going to turn. We have no idea what's going to happen next. Andy Kaufman would be perfect for that kind of confusion, oh, wouldn't he? There you go. I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. And if we paid him a bit extra, he might, 
He might do a Mighty Mouse for us. Might do that for us, you never know. But we, but so, so the next one, we're going with Bjork. Bjork is the next act on the list. Goodness, okay. And so tell me why. So what, what when, you know, were you a, like a, a younger guy when you first got into her or did you get into a later doors? What was the, the sort of entry point? Yes, yeah, the entry point would be like, yeah, sort of the video, I'm, I'm more visual, my memory's gone, so I'm more visual mm. than I am mm. remembering songs and tiles. But they know the video with the lorry that sort of had teeth in it. Um, okay. I can't remember the, the name of the song. But that, that's the era. And she's just always been, she's just always fascinated me and always been like, you know, in the oh-so-quiet era and someone that just enters a, a, a room or, or enters the stage and you hang off every word and, you, and each show, each album is completely like just unique. And the last, I didn't, I've never seen that, which I'd love to, but the last show she just did were just, I've never seen anything quite like it. And I, I think every time she plays, live especially, that you, you go, I've never seen anything quite like that. You know, that a festival is it. And I, and I was thinking, just to be cheeky, like maybe two songs from the end, she introduces we get Tom York and we get Johnny Greenwood and they do like a Karma Police version mm. just to, just just towards the end of the set. Those three on stage would be something else. But maybe like they're dressed up as like sailors or something. Maybe have, they have to wear a costume or something, Johnny and Tom. Oh, just, to, just to sort of lighten the mood a bit. No, you're talking. Tom and Johnny come on. <laughs> uh, two songs from the end, uh, one from stage left, one from stage right, right dressed actually in sailors outfits yeah that's sort of John Paul Gaultier one do you know what I mean yeah, that kind yeah, of like I'm absolutely Deep right yeah <laughs> Army of Me Army of Me is the track that we're thinking of as well yeah yes. that's the that's one it. Army of Me thank you thank you thank you, thank you Nat for that because I wouldn't have ne ever got there uh, and just to actually just to dwell on Tom and Johnny for a minute I had the intense joy of watching The Smile a few days ago uh, their, their oh, new man. band they you, are so good. aren't they have you been listening to that yeah 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 yeah. I mean it's just they're just you know Tom's the just he's just a don isn't he man he holds a special place in my heart his voice gets me like gets me like a you know like Marvin Gaye and he's that and he's, it, for me in, in the, way, the way he just I don't know he just it just he kills me every time uh, yeah he's, he's he's the don that's a, that's a good an interesting comparison actually because you're right. There's something really free about his singing, isn't there? And and that sort of high, the higher registers. A bit. Yeah. Of, you're right. Actually, a bit like Marvin would do that. You feel like he's jamming a lot, Marvin, when he's singing. Exactly. And you feel like that with exactly. Tom sometimes, don't you? He's just he's otherworldly beauty, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And he breaks my heart. Like it, it is proper. You know, headphones on, and you know, I, I run. I run a lot. I run a fair lot. Like when when he hits certain notes or when he's when he's giving it, like I, I do the arms, you know. When I'm running, man, I'm like arms at the side. Like I really, if you if you saw me running, if you were calm and you saw me running, you'd be like, what is going on? Like honestly, I'm I'm very, I express it, man. I'm giving it hard. Like I'm I'm on stage hard. It's quite funny. That I would love to see on YouTube. Surgeon is is an arm mile run. <laughs> That's great. I love that Bjork, and then at the end. Uh, Tom and Johnny come on just to augment that's a great idea now at, at this moment at time of going to press I think you're I'm right in saying three days away 
from a pretty colossal gig, you're supporting Liam, Liam Gallagher at Bloody Nebworth. Mm, yeah. So let's unpack that a little bit without, I don't want to flip you out because maybe part of your way of dealing with it is not thinking about it. You don't want an interviewer going on about it. But uh, did first of all, did you did, have you been to, to Nebworth to, to what? Did you see Oasis at Nebworth or anything like that? No, just the MTV, like, just the MTV, because I tried to get tickets. Mum's phone rang through, rang through. Couldn't get one and then watched it on, on MTV. Yeah, so it was like sort of the holy grail, you know. It's like, and, and the fact that I couldn't get a ticket and I thought that was my chance over. Thought, you know, probably won't ever see anyone play there again. I don't think anyone else would get that big or, <laughs> or you know... Uh, someone usually that gets that big you don't really want to go and see so got the call from LG and it's like just like blown away just blown away just just to be part of the history and, you know like for Liam just to sort of he's had our back from day one you know at the time you know we'd not played a gig when when he asked us so just for him to have that sort of confidence and, and in us and just be like you know come along for this ride, it, it was something else, man. To, to reference that for a bit, because when you were first coming through, it, fe- it feels like in my memory that uh, that you you guys were pretty tight back in the those early days of Kasabian. Did you play some concerts together back then when, when Liam was still with the band and stuff? Yeah, yeah, we went on tour. We went on tour to America in 2005. So it was Oasis, Jet, and then us, and we only had like 30 minutes so it was the best, like, two months of our lives because we were playing sort of big arenas. I mean, it's absolutely insane because we were, like, 23 and played for half an hour. So it was just, you know, and, and we made, you know, we made proper friends, you know, on that trip. That just sounds like a, um, a potentially life-threatening situation, actually, to go on tour with no, Jet and Oasis was. and have only have half an hour to worry about. And then I wonder what we'll do for it the was. rest of the night. <laughs> will your will your kids get to actually watch you play that gig? Yeah, yeah, they're coming on the Friday night. So yeah, I can't wait for them to see. I God knows like what is what it's gonna do do to them, bless them. <laughs> like, cause I'm like, they've seen way too much too early. You know what I mean? I'm like, it took me like, you know, twenty years to see a recording studio, do you know what I mean? They, they've, they've sort of like, they've grown up with like, like mad, they've just grown up with like, they've seen behind the curtains, you know what I mean? I'm like, they're, they're nine and 11 now, so they're, um, they're rocking, they're absolutely amazing. So they just know me as like, you know, the dad, do you know what I mean? That just like, just gets in the grids, do you know what I mean? They're not, they're not, not, not sure about this guy that's just having it on stage. Wow, like, imagine seeing that Ned with at nine, like just being on the stage side of stage it's just like their their um sort of experience in life is just in you know it's just wild <laughs> i know exactly what you mean yeah crazy yeah it's gonna have to make it the, the rest of the year really boring exactly measure it all out like you know um well by the time this goes out it will have happened and yes have you do you i don't know i, I guess i imagine you a bit like an athlete a front man Having to sort of yeah. imagine chesting the tape, like manifesting it into reality. Do you do any of that mind game stuff? Do you do any of that, like, you know, sort of getting in the zone sort of shit for, for massive gigs? Massively, yeah. I have to, yeah, I have to, yeah. That, that's the kind of way, you know. I sort of, I'm into my sort of boxing. And I'm, I'm into that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite fancy a fight. I'm into the training side of things. I'm not, I'm not a fighter, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, you know, 
I'm too pretty to be faded. You know what I mean? I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. But I, but I definitely like see it as this physical undertake. You know, like to me, it's 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 that thing of just like if you let your mind go. You know, if you let your mind run away with you, then you know, standing in front of all them people, it, it is a scary place to be. So so you have to figure out what you know. You have to be like, no, okay, I, I've got to sort of suck in all this energy and spit it back out so everyone can have the best night ever and that that's the sort of that's the way I'm approaching it well great well you know I'm gonna if I, I'm gonna save up and I'm gonna employ you as like my sort of um sort of life coach or mind coach I think for the next time I'm doing the gigs because I like the sound of your approach though I think I need to do a bit more of that myself right here we go the anticipation is immense you look to your left it's too late to go to the bar. You look to your right. You don't need the loo anyway. You look over your shoulder. 50,000 strong. Look at that lot. The lineups put you in prime position. One epic shot for Instagram. And while we have you captivated, poised, ready, phone out, why not quickly jump back into your podcast platform and follow us? Go on, boom, one click. Don't miss out on the next episode of my beautiful podcast. How does that sound? Also. We're back at the festival now, and we've already had Beak, and we've already had Björk, and, and she's been joined by Tom York and Johnny Greenwood dressed as uh, sailors, which is Jean-Paul Gaultier style, which is going to be incredible. <laughs> um, but before we get to the third act on the bill, and we're, here we are uh, in the auspices of Battersea Power Station. This is sort of the lull period. I guess we're getting to lunch, just after lunch. I need to ask the carb question about when you're at a festival, you're curating the festival, what's the food going to be like? What's the perfect food for this event? Oh, it's, it's Mexican. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's margaritas and it's tacos. Bloody and that great. is it. There's no choice. There's no choice. There's no like. There's not millions of um, varieties. You know, you can get, you can get your vegetables. You can get your vegan stuff. You can get your, you know, your spicy stuff. It's all in there. You know, so just go to that. Just, just Mexican. That's it. That's yeah, all we're doing. No, no messing around. No messing around. I completely agree with that. Lots of slow cooked pork for me, thank you. And that kind of thing is a little treat. Ah. It's a dream. I went, we recorded West Rider in, um, in San Francisco and I uh, spent a hell of a lot of time there, maybe two or three months. And I had it every day. I had it lunch and, and, <laughs> and dinner because I, I, I making a lot of decisions all through the day. I sort of eliminate any decisions by just choosing the same food. That's great. And, and Dan the Ortman, the guy I was working with, was like, we can't, you can't be serious. I was like, honestly, man, like, let's go taco, taco rear, taco rear. Like, I, can't, I can't get enough, man. I'm like that with with curry though. I I, I feel oh, yeah. that I am God, sort yeah. of somewhere. I'd love to do one of those um, gene tests and find that somewhere in the 1600s I've got like Indian or Pakistani lineage because I'm pretty certain that I have because I'm never happier than when I'm eating curry and I could eat it three times a day. Absolutely, and you know what? And if it wasn't, you know, that's that would probably be up there as. It's just, I don't think it's the right food for, for the festival vibe. I think you need to be sat down. I think it yeah. needs to be all about the food. That yeah. So I think with the Mexican thing, you can just have it on the fly. Yeah, you're on the fly. No, you can, you can just bang a it's a great, it, It's a great portable food, which is what we want. Exactly. There we are. We're standing there. We're eating a burrito. 
and we're having a margarita, which is refreshing and it gets you pissed at the same time, which is great. Dream. The dream drink. So who's going to be the third act? So third act, so I'm going to get my, I'm going to call a favour, I'm going to get Noel Fielding to, to do a little bit of stand-up. Um, he's going to do, he's going to bring on the next act and he's going to bring on, he's going to bring on David Byrne and they're going to do American Utopia. Um, I, I went to see it and it, it, that was a, a life-changing moment in terms of, you know, what a live show could be. And it was so good. I mean, it, I, I can't stop. I still think about it. Like, if I close my eyes, I could see it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, in, it's just such an unbelievable idea. The way he just reinvented that live performance was just something else, man. It had a big, big influence on me. We, I had the great privilege of going watching that in Manchester. In fact, funnily enough, I was sitting next to the legendary Mary Ann Hobbs and we watched it wow. together. And that that was a double mind blow, you know. But yeah, it's that it's that idea of, and I guess he was sort of edging towards that with stop making sense and everything, and, uh, and, that, and that sort of thing. But the idea of dance and theatre and rock music all at the same time, and the fact that they're all, you know, they're playing these instruments, but they're all on the move, and they've got they've got the same outfit on, and they they're actually doing proper choreography. I mean, what? I know. How does one person conceive of such a thing and then make it work? I know, and because if you say all those things out loud, you could be wincing a bit, going, "Oh, it could be a bit like that Blue Man thing, you know, that like, <laughs> oh, like some weird like West End kind of cheesy sort a of bit thing, stomp it, or something." Yeah, if you're not yeah, careful, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, and and it's, but it isn't that. It's like some like proper, most terrific. I can't. It, it was just. Like, and, and, and you do think to yourself, yeah, why, when, when someone, like, when, when you see an artist or you see a work of art or hear something and you then you ask the question, yeah, why do we do it like that? Why does the drummer just stay in the middle and why are the amps there and, and why does the bass player always stand there on the side and why, you know, and then it's like, fuck yeah, of course, you don't like, you don't have any of that. You can just rip it up and, and just, there you go. And I, and I was, it was just, you know, and obviously it's been around a fair bit, but to be pushing and, and to keep questioning, yeah, I want, I'm doing things differently. I, and, and, and just that, trans, like any generation, you cannot not be blown away by that. Just, you know, whatever that is, you just sit there and go, that is an amazing piece of work, what he's doing. I mean, I, I think of it like watching some of your, Visual work, like uh, the SLP, that video, I think it's called Nobody Else, the track, which is kind mm, of yeah, like yeah. a Bolero. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a really cracking song, actually. And Is that the one in the video where you're in a, you're in a field and you're playing a piano and it's yeah, on fire in the, in and the shit pajamas. Like that. Yeah, in the pajamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. That's, you said it before, you're a visual person, but like, I'm I'm not. I'm a very auditory person. I'm not, I'm a bit sort of visually illiterate, but... It blew me that that video blew me away. I thought that was so high concept in itself, very very arty, very thoughtful, and the, you know the the sort of two guys sitting sitting on the car in the middle of the field and the lovers and yeah. Are you are you groping towards something more and more high concept yourself, or would you do that with Casabian, or would you keep that for more of your solo work if you did? Well, I mean, so with that SLP tour. I um like the band the, the the band were behind a screen, so I played in front of two screens, and I had I had 
out, I did a, an outfit change for each song, so I'd sort of have a little dressing room behind the screens, and I'd get changed. So all the boys would be like, you know, like giving me like wank signs as I'm getting changed. You know what I mean? Like they weren't having any of it, and I was like, but but it was it was mad again, just to sort of it's a simple idea, but it, but it's really effective. And I went to see Stuart Lee as well. Uh, again, he's someone that I really buzz off because he just does things during a show that simple little things where that just changes the audience or, or makes you know completely just flips things around that starts you know he could be in the audience or he just he turns a joke around and you, everything just changes and it all feels a bit weird and but it's really exciting so so that tour was kind of based on seeing David Byrne okay seeing people like Stuart Lee do you know just flipping things on their heads and the Kasabian thing is like first this record is the Chat, you know, the, the new era, whatever. So I think, like, we've always, you know, hinted, and there's always been high concept. There's always been like a language that each record has its completely own world, you know, and that that will continue. But I definitely want to push things as far as I can. But but retain the most important thing is for us is that that communal thing, like. It's all about like that. The band is all about bringing as many people together to to enjoy that state where we're all in a field, or it, you know, we're all just together in this moment. And it's growing up listening to sort of being into rave and being into house and jungle and and that togetherness that has to always be the centerpiece. Is like don't lose that, but make sure. What you are putting out there is 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 interesting, yeah. and you know, and also, I, you know, I, I'm a big sort of are those Kendrick gigs and Travis Scott gigs, and the way the way in in, in and Tyler the Creator. I mean, he's he's someone I, I sort of think is a proper auteur. He's like a modern day genius, Tyler. But the way that that crowd goes and his performance, that's high art. Tyler's performance yeah. is high up, but you still see the crowd. It's still a, it's still an amazing, still like going to see, you know, Metallica in a weird way. Do you know what I mean? But, but yeah. it's high up. You're a bit of a synth nerd as well, aren't you? So <laughs> yeah, you, very you, much I think so, that's yeah. fair to say, yeah. isn't it? You're a bit of a connoisseur, yeah, oh, yeah. aren't you? Definitely, yeah. yeah do, you, do you, what do you say a certain amount of, quite a lot of your budget goes on seeking out, do you look for analogue synths, old synths? Are you, are you always trawling shops and, and, and websites for particular sounds? I look for anything with the wood on the side. If it's got wood on, that, that is my, that's it. That's like the only thing. And I never read the manual. I just, now luckily, I just just hit a video on YouTube, you know, how to make a, you know, a cello that. sound on a 2600 and then some, some great, some dude that's just obviously, was, you know, knows all the rules. I just look where he puts the wires and then bang, that's me. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not into transistors and all that. I can't be doing with that. It's not, my brain's not, I don't, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Like I say, visual, man, I'll watch someone do it and I'll oh, do okay. it. Fine. Now you're just a quick learner, I see. <laughs>
Well, uh, uh, we will get on. We should mention Glastonbury in a bit as well, because uh, but but maybe we'll do that next because we're at a, we're at that sort of let's have a think. Whereabouts are we now? We've got three bands in, and um, what we usually say is that this is like when it's the penultimate act. It's like kind of the sunset moment, but we're, we're technically indoors. But... No, I'm I'm flipping it short oh, as well with this because this is my headliner. So I'm 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 going. Like I'm going. I'm going. Someone after hours. So this is my headline. This is my. This is where the budget's going. This is. This is the big. Uh, I don't know how much we're gonna have to charge for tickets, but this is the big budget. This is the one. So hang on. So just to get this right, we've gone. We've got Beak. We've got Björk. We've got uh, Andy Kaufman's in the middle of those. We've got No Fielding bringing on David Byrne doing American Utopia. So yeah. we've really got two slots left. But you're saying that the next one is technically your your headliner. This is my headliner, yeah. This right. is the budget. Okay. I'm having Richard Pryor bring them on. Oh, crikey O'Reilly. Crikey O'Reilly. Can you imagine? Big. So, right, so that's 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 gonna that's gonna bring on, right? The headline act. Yeah. Right. And it's gonna be and I want an hour I'm gonna I want an hour and a half. Mm. And it's gonna be it's gonna be Dr. Drake, but the Super Bowl version with Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, and Snoop. And they're all gonna do they're all gonna do they're all gonna do two or three of their own on this set. And it's my Avengers. They're the Avengers. That's my moment. Bang. It's almost like getting. We were talking recently to Yanis uh, from Foles, and he was talking about Wu Tang um, uh, in particular, and about how unbelievably influential they were on him and stuff but that you've almost got the that's almost like a sort of Wu-Tang style uh, collaboration there of of like rap superheroes isn't it that you've put together that is it's, more, it's the Marvel version I mean it's, it's a, I mean can you imagine an hour and a half Battersea Power Station it'd be ridiculous there'd be some serious um, serious there'd be some unbelievable uh, spitting of rhyme there there'd be so I mean the, <laughs> the, the amount of words coming out over the course uh, of 90 minutes it would be difficult impossible to describe and so and, I, and again when you were a kid like you maybe you were a bit too young to go to raves and stuff like that and before oasis kicked into your life and and the music the rock the rock start side of things came in and guitars was rap and hip-hop very prevalent was it about that time what when was it that it yeah started? yeah gangster rap yeah, yeah, you know, like the the sort of chronic and and doggy style, and you know, thirty six chambers and Black Sunday. You know, these kind of like they were they were big big albums. When I was growing up for sure. I've always wanted to. I've said this before on this podcast, probably, but as a as a hoary old fifty year old rocker who understands amps and guitars and drum kits, <laughs> uh, it, it's a it's a source of of constant um, mystery to me how these records get made and how they how they make them sound the way they do you know is that because mm-hmm. you've got a producer's head as well haven't you do, is that yeah have you sort of uncovered some of these mysteries do you sort of have a bit of an idea on how they get these these sounds and stuff and try and incorporate Absolutely. Them, well, well that's how I learned that's kind of like I've always you know from making the first album I've Made always made. I made my records like you'd make a, like you'd make a hip hop record or a, or a, you know, electronic record. Like I, I, every album really. 
Like it's all loops and it's all weird little sounds and, it, and it's nicking off old records and it's, yeah. So I, I, that's kind of how I know to make records. You know, I could sort of make, make one in the studio, but it never really interested me. Funny enough, I was thinking about the other day though, it sort of started to a bit because it's not the done thing at all anymore that you know, maybe doing a proper record might, might be quite fun but yeah, I, I, I sort of that's kind of how I've always made records with just finding beats loops and noise and making what you can out of what's lying around yeah. and, and that's always I, I just feel it just feels way more exciting that way to me when you're writing a song what do you really re instinctively reach for is it, is it is it like a is it the guitar or is it the keyboard or is it something else I sort of get it where I can I get it where I can, like, <laughs> I, I feel like, honestly, yeah, yeah. I mean, I go through phases of not liking the guitar and, never, you know, not picking it up. And then they go through phases of just like going, oh, I'm only going to just play the acoustic for a bit. But but ma mainly it's, um, I don't know, I just sort of like, you know, I just like messing with noise and I, I, I've, I've no real plan, you know. It's definitely not a traditional way of, yeah. of working, that's for sure. Well, we've got the, the new album. The Alchemist Euphoria is coming out in August, right? And and obviously you've always been the primary songwriter, but now this is the first time that you've stepped up to do to be the the, the front man on the vocals, the front and centre. Have you looked for any advice from mentor types? Do you, do you have you ever done that in the past? You know, have you got people like musicians, uh, perhaps older ones than you, that that sort of give you a steer sometimes? Other people you go to in times of stress or, or change that, that you can talk to help you out a little bit? Does that ever happen? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked, um, I worked with uh, Fraser T. Smith on on this album and yeah, he's been like a, such an amazing sort of, it's amazing someone to, to me, especially he's like become a really good pal. So on this album, you know, that, that, that's been a beautiful sort of thing. You know, and he's such a, he's a genius, you know what I mean? He's a sweetheart. He's a Leicester City fan as well, which is an absolute <laughs> joy, you know what I mean? Cause you don't meet them all the time. And then, you know, I, I speak to, you know, like, Noel Fielding's like, I speak to him a lot. Like, he's got, he's like my boy, do you know what I mean? And, and he's sort of, I can, you know, he's, he's got, like, an encyclopedia of knowledge on, on everything, you know, art, films, music. So, you know, I send him early stuff. And, and if it passes that test, I was think, yeah, well, if it's passed the Noel test, I'm, I'm sweet, you know what I mean? Because it means that it's strange enough as well you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. if I think I've made something that's a bit like too normal or, or too you know safe sort of a safe exactly and it's like it's like, no 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 you're still good man you're still good and then and, and, and I'm sad and, and would you say that because it's been a tough couple of years for the band and for you and with with everything that's happened was there a time when you you actually thought I'm not going to carry on with this I'm going to I'm going to stop this band and you know do you, do you feel like you've grown you've you've learned important lessons over the last couple of years yeah yeah definitely yeah I didn't there was a you know there was a time where it did feel like you know going back to your house and just seeing it in ashes and just kicking kicking the ash up with your feet and just sifting through sort of photographs and it's been my life it's my life's work Kasabian you know I've written every song you know every chord every lyric every sort of it really is so for me I you know I thought that was all gone and um, as I said before and it was heartbreaking but you know when um, when we sort of sat down and 
decided that it couldn't end like that. Everyone wanted to see what, you know, see what would, see what we'd become. Um, and, and also like, you know, nothing, the way in which the record was made, nothing's changed. Like, you know, it's not like that those records have been, this record's been made exactly the same as every other record's been made. So that was, that was never a, a problem or a worry. In terms of like what I've learned, I don't know, sort of playing those shows, it, it's a mad, I don't know, I, I do, you sort of do come out of it. I feel like I'm a different person. I'm a different human being now. I don't know, I don't, I don't exactly know what that means, but, but I definitely, you know, like someone else now. Well, yeah, because you, you've been through the fire a bit and you, you, I suppose that's what happens, isn't it? I mean, do you, has your voice changed at all? You know, because you've been, I know you've always sung. But I just wonder, does it change a bit when you do it more and you do it in a slightly different context when you're right yeah. in the middle? Does it change it a bit? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And in a way, it's exciting actually because, you know, like I like I can experiment that in, in um, try and hit different sort of levels in how I approach the, the tune. So I can, you know, jam, I mean, just spontaneous, just jam over it and not think. No, again, we're going to go back to the magic, man. I can't believe I'm saying it again, but it is just just going back to that. Just going back to that, like um, just let it, just let it come through you. Do you know what I mean? And just, just ah, oh, you can't do it like that. You can't do that. You're this. You're you're supposed to do this. It's like ah, do you know what? I'm not. Free. I don't know what I am or what I'm doing. I'm just. This is it. Expressing it. You're reminding me a little bit of the bit in Star Wars when he has to put the visor down. You know. To, uh, yes, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's, fion, no, fion. it's the hero's journey. Yeah, so my that. mate said you're on the hero's journey, and I had to look it up what he meant. But <laughs> okay, it, you yeah. know, the Star Wars is about the hero's journey, yeah. Yeah. and it's kind of that's what we're on at the moment. I feel so old now, Serge, that I feel like Obi Wan Kenobi when he when he goes uh, to Darth Vader. If you kill me now, I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And then he just sort of sacrifices himself. I feel a bit like, I feel that yeah. old, you know. Um, <laughs> it's the worst sword fight of all time, that one, by the way. <laughs> when you watch it now, it's so bad. Like, they are just tapping away. Yeah, yeah, it's such yeah. a bad sword fight. It is. It is. One, two. So... I mean, really, that was you. You have got another slot, even though you've you've just gone yeah. Richard Pryor introducing Dre, Eminem, Kendrick, and Snoop. So, what are you going to do at the end? Okay, so huge screen, huge huge screen comes down, like as big as the back wall, and then Quentin Tarantino walks onto the stage, <laughs> and everyone's going, "Oh shit, it's Quentin Tarantino!" And then. Because he's quite funny, so I think he's got a bit of a stand-up in him. I, I think he's definitely got five minutes, definitely. <laughs> he, I've listened to him interviewed, and he's talked about how he thinks he's got it as well. Because yeah. he's not frightened of a... He's definitely confident now. And uh, he um, he gets up there, and then he said, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, it's been one hell of a night. It's just, you know, thanks. But to finish off the evening, we have live, we have Anyo Morricone. <laughs> and then, and then on, on the screen, we get... The good, the bad, and the ugly, and then bang, he plays that, and then we hear, you know, an array of his his greatest hits with on screen, you know, the films playing. In the Jesus, background. what a lovely idea! I lo wondered where you were going with that, Serge, when you said that we're having the headliners early. I was like, what the f what's going on here? But you again, <laughs> it's been beautifully subverted. 
uh, actual, it, it's auto-corrected to Ennui Morricone on my phone, which I find hilarious. But that's that's a fantastic denouement to the night. Uh, well, I guess with like the full orchestra. Full the, orchestra. The, yeah, yeah, full yeah. pomp and circumstance. And then, Absolutely. you know, we're, obviously we're going to smash a few more margaritas uh, into the night, oh. I would have thought. Yeah, done. I mean, yeah, I don't. And then, you know, we'll get Sean, we'll get Sean DJ in the after show in, yeah. in like, you know, in one of the chimneys you know, outside. <laughs> Oh, you know, you that's, know I mean? that would suit me because I'm from Lancashire, just like Fred <laughs> exactly, Dibner. Yeah. You know, like Fred Dibner used to. So you could put me right at the yeah. top and you I could, could DJ. You could pure Fred Dibner up, like you could be on one, like a little swing, or you know what I mean? Like on the yeah, side yeah, with yeah. a little hammer. <laughs> you like that. You like that. I'll give you another one. Yeah. Oh, this is I, great. I love that guy. There was an amazing documentary on him I watched. I was hooked. It was so good. What a voice. I was showing my kids footage and I actually remember this because I'm that old you know I remember the excitement of being 11 and you come out of church because we were good Roman Catholic northerners and uh, he'd be tearing down one of the older chimneys about two miles away and everybody would stand around and watch amazing. it just amazing it's like you wouldn't have no obviously health and safety and all that um, so, it's so good they're mad those, those like those documentaries because it's literally him in a, in a in a lunch box isn't it just like yeah. you know and he's Fair old there as well. It's not like a whippersnapper, is it? It's amazing. Well, I mean, I think, forgive me for intervening at the end here, but I mean, it is, we did say living or dead. Why don't we just, forget me, I'll just serve the margaritas. We'll have Fred Dibner um, at the top of the chimney um, spinning he, he a few could have a head mic on. He could have a head mic on and he could be sort of telling us how he's going to, you know, he could explain in the sort of history of the building and that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, what a, great, what a great finish, Fred Dibner. Um, so there, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Battersea Power Station, Beak, Andy Kaufman, Björk with Tom and Johnny uh, dressed as sailors for the last couple of songs. Noel Fielding brings on David Byrne doing American Utopia. Um, Mexican margaritas all round while we have Richard Pryor introducing Dre, Eminem, Kendrick and Snoop. And then an Ennio Morricone finish with Quentin Tarantino introducing it and Fred Dibner on the ones and twos at the top of the chimney. That is power extreme. I think we're going to call that power extreme, aren't we? That's what we're going to call it. I love that because it also reminds me of Love Supreme, John Coltrane, power extreme. Yes, Uh, power extreme. Brilliant. 22, 22, Power Extreme 22. Oh, then, even then we can do it every year. Serge, it feels like you've done this before and you'll do it again. Uh, that, was, that was some excellent festival curation. Thank you so much for doing the lineup with us today. Obviously, by the time this goes out, you will have done it, but best of luck uh, with Nebworth. Thanks, man. Uh, it's going to be phenomenal, obviously, and The Alchemist's Euphoria is out in August. We can't wait to hear it. But what a pleasure and a privilege to have you on the lineup today, Serge Pizzano. Thank you so much. Amazing, thanks for having me, bro. Thank you.